episode 41 of Bitches Love Brunch, and I am your co-host, Courtney. And this is Kiana. And we're excited to be back. Hey, y'all. I actually feel like we just did this. It does not feel like it's been two weeks. Really? Yeah. And I don't know. I feel like my time is lost. <laughs> and that's also very surprising because last week was a long ass week. <laughs> it was a long week, bro. I don't know what was going on. I don't know what was happening, but it was long. When I be having these long days, I'm like, you know what? 2019, we need come. That's not what we agreed upon on January 1. <laughs> and here I am the third month. And you acting up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I won't complain, but it's just like (laughs) I won't complain, but (laughs) but (laughs) but however, comma. (laughs) I mean, but and we kind of spoke to this last episode. We kind of both know that what has been going on in our lives. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So just between that, and when I say that, I mean just personal lives, work. All of that stuff. The things that you can't control but get on your nerves anyway. Mm. Rhythm, Jesus. Rhythm. Like, it's a lot. It's a lot. Oh, is it is Mercury Mercury in retrograde? Did that happen last week? I think it did happen I last think it did. week. Maybe, maybe that's what was popping off. <laughs> it was either last week or the week before. But whatever it happened, maybe it's some residual um, effects of Mercury retrograde. Or... Just things wasn't in alignment, and this is the first time I've ever I've ever even used that that line. I I, I don't identify with none of that. I really don't know what any of that means, but I hear it be fucking some shit up. So <laughs> I'm coming through wrecking havoc, okay? And I think that's what it did last week. I think that's exactly what it did. Well, listen, I know that feeling all too well, especially recently. There is sunshine oh. at the end of rain. Oh, I thought you was just, <laughs> I was just excited because the days are longer. So I was like, yes, the sun is shining longer. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. Change my whole mood. Since daylight saving time, I'm just like, y'all, the weather broke. And it ain't that the weather has really broken. It's just it the fact really that the sun is out. <laughs> Except for that 170 degree day that we had here in Ohio. It was actually close to 80. Oh, yes. You know what that means, too. That means that somebody called somebody and was like, what you trying to put on the grill? Some hot dogs and hamburgers? Oh, no. You, I walked into my um, into my apartment and somebody was grilling. Oh, yeah. When it's hot outside, you can always smell the charcoal. Always. You know what's coming. Yeah. I'd be like, let me throw a hot dog on there. Make it burn. <laughs> and for that reason, I've decided that I, I probably um, do want to befriend my neighbors. Because they be cooking. <laughs> Not for safety, not for refuge, but for food. But That's the little survival skill, though. It is. That as well, because that is safety sometimes. Yeah, I might is. fall on, you know, glory be to God that that will not happen, but you never know. I might fall on hard times. I need to be able to know where a good meal is. <laughs> Who got me? Mm-mm. No, but the grills were smelling nice, so now I don't have a grill, so I just need to be able to knock on somebody's door. <laughs> Girl, you better get your little baby girl to go on that back porch. I do. Like all the rest of the black people. <laughs> I do. You know the people downstairs when we got one. Put some foil on top of it. Heck yes. <laughs> hmm. 
Heck yes. Yes, girl. Um, well, I guess that was our check-in. Everything good over there? <laughs> yeah, I dropped the phone. Um, okay. Yeah, everything's good. I'm good. Um, I just started. Well, no, I didn't start back work, but I had some time off. How was L.A.? L.A. was fun. L.A. was a lot of fun. Um, I think my trips to L.A., though, things are just looking way too familiar when I go there, meaning I've gone too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to put a pin in L.A. for a little bit. Okay. Yeah, it was fun, though. But I think this time I really saw, like, the people and personality of L.A. Did not like it. Mm. Did not like it. So I think, like, going before, you're kind of, like, really caught up in, like, the the aesthetics of the city itself. Right, and it's so new and, to you. Exactly. So you're looking at all the mountains in Hollywood and all of, um, you know, the sites you can see in Hollywood Boulevard and Santa Monica. And, then, and, like, once you've checked all those boxes, now you're spending time with, like, folks. And then you're just like, oh, it's real. This is L.A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This L.A. L.A. <laughs> this L.A. L.A. Um, but I did have some really, really dope experiences. Our friend Dre took me to a really dope um, vegan burlesque show. Oh, I forgot no. about that, too. Uh-uh. He did take me to a vegan restaurant, though. And I really did, like, um, did he tell you about that? He did. And I told him that she was going to be like, yeah, Dre took me to this really um, good vegan restaurant. I was like, I already know how Kiana going to tell me, but I forgot about the burlesque show. He mentioned oh, yeah. that too. Mm-hmm. Dan Drayden told you everything, so I'm gonna tell you nothing. So yeah, that's what happened in LA. <laughs> the listeners might want to know. They might um, want to know. Yeah, so I did the things in LA. We just <laughs> cut off there. No. Okay. Well, I'm glad you had fun. I also want to um, say that I appreciate y'all for not being petty like y'all normally do, and like. FaceTiming me and rubbing it in my face because I know Shannon was there too. My yes, twin. she was. Yes, she um, was. We had a good time. <laughs> so I appreciate y'all for that. I by do. the way, by the by, I need to make sure Shannon still. I have not seen Shannon awake since before I left Los Angeles. You don't need to do that on the show. <laughs> Shannon's awake, everybody. People, I hope everybody sleep. What the hell? <laughs> Sleeping is a normal thing. Shannon's awake. Um, but yeah, I heard y'all had a good time, so I'm glad. I'm glad. It didn't hit me until like, so Dre and Mark were, they were on FaceTime with Shannon, and then they called me on FaceTime from a separate phone, so like Shannon and I could see each other, but kind of not see each other mm-hmm. um and so it didn't hit me until like a couple days before because shannon was packing for her trip i was like wait you going this weekend too they were mm-hmm. like oh you just putting that shit together huh i was like yeah i don't want to talk about it anymore <laughs> yes yeah, shannon and jonathan came to my birthday brunch we kicked it uh, my best friend dom was in town too it was lit Good, good. It was super lit. Well, I haven't done shit while you were gone. So cool. But but uh cursing a little bit more, clearly. You are cursing a lot, but you know, I never really mind um cursing. I feel like it's just English. So Yeah. I'm gonna get back to it maybe next week. Like like we said, Mercury is in retrograde, so Girl, give do me my you, time. Survive how you can survive. Yeah. 
Right now, it's just a release. I feel you. Um. Okay, yeah, I don't have anything new to share either for my check-in. I think everything has been a blur over the last couple of weeks, so we just gonna uh, we just gonna keep it moving and pass that mimosa. What are you drinking this week? I am not drinking tonight. I actually have um, decided to stop drinking for for a period of time. I, I don't know what that period period of time is. It could be a week, could be a day, could be some hours. But right now, I'm not committed to drinking. I'm a, uh, I'm a respond to that off air. You can respond to that right now. <laughs> no, because I was like, Dad, what happened in L.A.? <laughs> What's going no, on? No, you know what? I actually didn't even get... I don't think I really got drunk in L.A. Oh, okay. I think maybe... I don't... I think maybe the last night, the night that we kicked it for my brunch... Maybe that was the night I got tipsy, but I didn't really get drunk in L.A. Okay. Yeah, new for me. I'm not bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're not drinking. Um, I'm actually not drinking either. I have hot chocolate and Powerade to the left of me. That is an <laughs> odd combination. It is, but... Are you drinking at the same was, time? Well, I'm, yes and no. I started out with the hot chocolate because, you know, still kind of chilly here in Ohio. Um, so I was not going to chill off, and I had been in the mood for some. But then that milk did something to my stomach. I was just about to ask you how you make it with water or milk. Do you use the cocoa powder or syrup? How do you make your hot chocolate? I use the um, Swiss Miss cocoa powder. Okay. And I put it in milk. It just makes okay. it creamier. It know, does. Just a little bit more rich, which is odd because I don't really like rich things. But And water is just a little too bland. Like, you don't really get the true essence of hot cocoa in the water. You don't. And I be adding, like, a pack and a half. I don't right, really you make gotta my add chocolate more. often. But you need more cocoa powder than what they give you in that packet. Exactly. So... Because you can um, see right through that hot chocolate, okay? <laughs> right through it, translucent hot Right, hot I was just chocolate. about to say translucent hot chocolate, okay? Nothing hidden. All the ingredients, you can just look at them. Right. So, that's what I'm on. But, um, I also drank a little bit this weekend. Ooh. You know, I don't, like, drink, drink, and kick it like that too often. So, outside of, like... Drinking on the show, it's not often that I'm like drinking throughout the week or by myself. It happens, mm. but it's just not, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. So I think I got my intake this weekend. I got everything that I needed. <laughs> so, you know what? We I actually good. went out on Sunday and I barely go out on a school night, but honey, when the weather breaks, you got no choice. You gotta, yeah, you gotta go. You gotta um, go. But I went out on Sunday, and that was the last day I drank. And I had some old fashions. Child, I was mm. done. I came back I home and passed right out. I actually survived. So we did our we did our festivities on Saturday. What was it? St. Patrick's Day. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know it was St. Patrick's Day until I left. I left out the house. Girl, and that's I saw exactly all the black why. Leprechauns. Oh Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Black people was in their lucky charms, okay? 
We don't oh care. Gosh. We Did do you see not any care. Any of the um, black folks with the "Kiss Me, I'm Irish" shirts on? No. I hope not. Okay. Good. No, none of those. But they were in their green and like they had headbands. It was just it was a lot. Okay. But yeah, it was a lot of green. Folks kept it pretty simple here in uh, here in Columbus, which I appreciated. You know, you can't go wrong. I was talking to one of my friends about that. You can't go wrong with celebrating St. Patty's Day in Cleveland, Columbus, or Cincinnati. It's always a good time in any of the cities in Ohio for St. Patrick's Day. This year is probably the second year that I've actually been out for St. Patrick's Day since I've been in Columbus. Oh. I'm not... I already don't like big old crowds in the bar anyway. And St. Patrick's Day can get even more extra, so it's a no thank you. Um, but like I said, they did this bar crawl um, on Saturday, which which was a lot more manageable. And it was like day drinking, so day party-esque, but a crawl. Um, you know, you lose a couple people as you go from spot to spot. So it really wasn't, it really wasn't that bad, but we had, we had a good time. We only hit about two spots and then we were on our merry way. Oh yeah, girl. Only the strong survive. To our own little crawl. So, but we had enough fun at those two spots. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we passed the mimosa. This week, we actually decided to double back on the topics. Am I missing anything else? I told you I'm off. (laughs) Before we go into the quote. Yeah, we didn't do the quote. But I got you. So the quote of the week is, (laughs) (laughs) My mother said I must always be intolerant of ignorance, but understanding of illiteracy. That some people unable to go to school were more educated and more intelligent than college professors. Maya Angelou. Come on, Maya. Come on, Auntie. Oop. Excuse me. Come on, Miss Angelou. Because <laughs> she don't I, play that. She, she don't, don't play, play that. that. She's I'm not gonna play use, that. I'ma use that. Dead clip. or alive. <laughs> I'ma use that clip when we post. Dead or alive. Okay. Correct myself. Excuse me, Auntie. I apologize. And then called her Auntie again. Well, no, I was okay with calling her auntie, but Maya, and I'm not calling her by her first name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that we not doing. To be clear. <laughs> even in her um, even in her death, I shall respect her wishes. So thank you. But for okay, that quote. so let me let me pause on that real let me put a pin in that real quick. Do you be feeling some kind of way that your friends' kids call you by their first name? By your first name? Do your friends' kids call you by your first name? Um, or do like you have younger people in your family who call you by your first name and you much older and you'd be like if I was younger I would have had to call you auntie I remember there being a point where my nephew wanted to just I remember I think he called me by my first name it was just weird so what does he call you I don't think I ever noticed I tell I tell you off air because okay. that's a family name. Gotcha. Um, but so yes, the kids. Oh, in he my called you family, by your nickname. I didn't yeah. know if he called you Auntie or Titi or anything. No. Like that. Um, and that nickname started with him as like oh. an Auntie name. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so the kids in my family call me that. Um, now like my friends with with kids, they um. Most of them call me, <coughs> excuse me, call me Miss Courtney or some form of um, auntie. 
just because what I am, I, you know, that's what I am to them. I see Courtney or, you know, something like that. And then my godson just calls me G-Mommy. I just be thinking, I'm like, y'all different. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> y'all so different. And not that I think that you have to call me auntie. I just knew how important that was as a kid that I could not address anybody who was paying their own bills by, by their, their first, first name. name. Everybody was Ms. something, Mrs. something. Like, we weren't playing any of that. Listen, I still call my parents... Um, not my parents, but my friends' mom, my friends' parents. I still mm-hmm. address them by Mrs. Miss, unless their parents have instructed me to call them otherwise. Exactly. I don't have nothing to say to you, Mrs. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? Like, I just I will always refer to you as that. I just am wondering, are we going to lose that type of respect for elders when they get older? You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it transcends. Not just calling a kid that, but even me as an adult and talking to my elders, it's still always a miss, missus, mister, sir, ma'am. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? But Our one that's friend, a tangent. Um, that you know that I've been speaking with, uh, like, e- that's even weird, but that's what she told me to call her. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but anytime I say it, I'll be like, ooh. Let me just call you by your nickname. <laughs> right. That's where I'm stay. I, I'm going to stay right there. Yeah, I'm going to stay in my ever, line. I just don't ever want the perception to come off, even though I know if you're giving me permission. I just don't ever want to seem like I would even question the fact that I'm being disrespectful towards you. Absolutely. I mean, and my mother, even in my adult years, has looked at me like, who? Who who you referring to? Yeah. <laughs> no, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yeah, so excuse that tangent. Um but shout out to the quote of the week. Thank you for that. So before we, I guess, head into that topic that that quote really refers to, we kind of <laughs> wanted to do um, a part two. That's what also we did not do, Kiana, was the recap. <laughs> but we wanted to do... Um, Girl, but the thing is, Courtney, I never do the recap because I never remember. You don't. You're right. I do the recap. <laughs> I did not do the recap. Um, but that's but okay. Anyway. Part two, well, we can do a premise and then... Yes. Y'all got it. Go back and listen to episode yeah. 40. So remember, remember that episode that you had some issues with? Uh, I think you titled it Stuttering Blocks? Stutter Blocks? Yes. Stutter Blocks, yeah. That's how I feel on this episode. I don't know where I am <laughs> or what's going on, but we're going to get it back together. I don't know how you feel, but I know how I felt in that moment. May peace be with you. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. We're just, we just going to push through because <laughs> we already <laughs> almost through um, one segment. That's all right. That's all right. This our, this our shit. This our shit. We ain't getting kicked out. Where we going? Where I'm going? <laughs> to the living room? To the closet? To the right. kitchen? Where right. I'm going? By where the way, if y'all didn't know, that means I'm at home. But I'm at <laughs> where home. I'm going? Where I'm going? Okay, so we decided to circle back um, for our first topic. Last week, we talked about um, the black tax. And I just felt like 20 minutes was not enough (laughs) for that topic because we experienced it in so many ways. Um, Because the receipts are still running over for these taxes. Still running, um, and they're not stopping anytime soon. 
But I actually ended up having a, after um, an incident or happening at work, I actually ended up having a really good conversation with my boss. Something took place at work, you know, she was just having a conversation with me. Something took place with a person of color. Um, And so I had to go inform her of the situation. Um, And so she was like, and something, actually two two things had uh, taken place with this same person of color in a week span. Oh, wow. Um, and so... I know he getting high. Yeah. <laughs> I know he <laughs> like, going home. Listen, I know he going home and rolling up one. Got it. Like, and so, even in the first situation, she was so disheartened for him, but we took the proper steps to correct, you know, correct the issue so that we could be... It was a little reactive, but a little proactive as well going forward. Um, and then... And then actually the the thing would happen oh in New Zealand uh the massacre in New Zealand took place with the Muslims and and she knew she thought of him and just thought about how that may be impacting him on a day to day basis and so we got into a really good conversation. I was like, "You are starting to understand or you're starting to connect the dots of exactly what it is that we experience on a day to day basis where we have this tax that we carry at home. And then we have this tax that we carry in our everyday life. Um, for example, when another black man gets shot by the police unarmed. Um, and then we have this tax that we have to bring all of this to work and we're still expected to function and be of sound mind, sound body, and be quiet sound about spirit. It. And be quiet about it and really not have a space to have those conversations and release some of that weight that we're carrying. And so we had to have this conversation about what that looks like and what that means because I'm a little bit more prone to, if some if somebody, I'm not saying that I do, but if somebody disrespects me on the street, I may be a little bit more prone to let it go because I have no investment in you. But then when that's happening so much in my everyday life outside of work and then someone disrespects me in the workplace where I spend a large portion of my time and have to carry that there as well, that's a large tax to pay that other people don't have to or non people of non of no color <laughs> white people that they don't have they don't have that burden folk. to carry. <laughs> translucent, translucent <folk>. right? <laughs> so I had to say to her, absolutely, there's something else going on there. He's black, mm. <laughs> like this is an everyday thing. So yes, every once in a while, if I am fed up, you may find yourself being the straw that breaks the camel's back, and I'm gonna have to say something to you. Like we just gonna go ahead and have to address this. But I don't even think it's so much of, like, the straw that breaks the camel's back. But it's time for everybody to get addressed, and rightfully so. Oh, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's not even that I am... I have this weight built up on me. Because I, I do, but at the same time, if I didn't, you still need to be checked. Right, right. And that's if how, I didn't, and that's and how there, it should there's be. There's no pass here. There's no pass here. That's how it should be. And we can't... In any situation, I feel like we've talked about this a lot in um, in the rape culture um, and believing women like we can't we can't dictate how the victim operates. 
well, he should have, or she should have done, or you know what I mean? Like you are the oppressor. You don't get to dictate that. That's why I'm so keen on telling people like you can't, you don't have the right to tell somebody that you're not a racist. Right. You don't. Right. You don't. Like you weren't the one that was somebody somebody was being racist towards. You don't have the right to be like I'm not racist. Like who No. No, that's not how this works, dog. I get to tell you whether or not I felt like you said something racist to me. Same goes for assault. You don't I you don't get to tell me how much this affects me or how much it doesn't. You don't get to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like I and also, you know, and it goes to the other extreme is like, "Hey, I'm an ally." Like, no, you don't get to decide whether you're an ally, a healer, um, a life changer. Like, no, somebody tells you that. You don't get to self-select that I'm all of these things when you're talking about how you're in relationship with other people. And especially when it comes to my tax that you know nothing about. Like, you, you you have no idea about that life, so you really have no say so. And even if I decide to tell you, you still wouldn't know what that felt like. Oh, absolutely not. This is just informative. (laughs) This is just an education uh, session. That That still does not give you the right to speak on anything or dictate how I operate or navigate in any situation. Um, And I think that comes, or the, the black tax comes with that too, because we often have to find ourselves... Or no, we are often expected to mitigate the oppressor's feelings. And I'm not there to do that. Listen, what my director literally asked me, there was an instance where I, there was somebody made a racist comment to me at work. And I told him about it. He asked me, what do I think he should do? Which literally pissed me you could have just like pissed on fire at that point. Like you just made the situation worse. And I'm just like, what do you think you should do? But secondly... Um, he told me later on, like, I felt like you wanted to bring up a problem and not be a part of the solution. So I want you to, I don't, what? Mm -mm. It is my job to do only my job. But in in terms of me having to go out of my way to tell you about my, who are are you to try to evoke a black experience for me? You don't know what I got to go through to, to, to talk about these experiences. But it is your job as a director to manage and lead. And so And to educate yourself on the people that you decide to have a part of your team. Right. Well that should be done in order for you to manage or lead. Because then that should then he should have never been able to ask you, he or she should have never been able to ask you the question of what you think I should do about this. Now if we're asking the question of how would you prefer I handle this? Because sometimes there is there can be some respect in that realm where somebody may go to their manager and say, this is what happened. I really don't want A, B, and C. You know what I mean? That's one thing. But to outright ask you how he or she should handle it, why don't, why don't you know this? Girl, I literally looked and I was like, and in my mind, I was like, that's above my pay grade to give you ideas about how to do your job. Jeez Louise. I really need to um, rethink my field sometimes in that I might need to take this stuff on the road. <laughs> like, I don't understand. I don't understand. Jeez Louise. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, before I but go But aside off. from 
the work black tax, one of the things I think about, too, is the familial black tax that we often have mm. that a lot of people um, don't address. Talk about it. Um, there was a conversation I had with like one of my close friends even last night in terms of because I don't know if I've been hmm, I don't know if I want to disclose that here, okay. but we talked about parental relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that we talked about is that we always really folk and this is not to give like men any slack, but I'm just letting you know, like as a community, there's a lot of stuff that we carry with us that no one talks about. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, we talk about the absent father, but no one talks about the present mother and with the present mother, meaning that she's raising a family on her own. Oftentimes, you know, full-time job, could be multiple jobs, could be enrolled in school, could have multiple kids. And no one talks about the strain. We talk about the strain that's on their mother, but we don't talk about the residual effects of the strain on their mother, how that affects the children. I I agree. In a negative light. Right. It's so funny you say that in the in the burden that that puts on the mother because um, I saw, uh, what's the, I can't think of... Uh, his real name, but he's on power. I think his name is Dre on power. Um, Dre, Dre, Dre. Oh, um, his name is Trey. I think his name is Trey. The the light skin guy, the bigger, the oldest brother? Hmm? On power? Oh, Dre on power. Girl, you talking about uh, Rotimi. Yes, yes. I was thinking about Empire. Okay, I was like, what? Too many black shows. Yes. <laughs> we have so many options. Thank God. <laughs> Right. Um, but I saw a post on his page today, um, and I think he, I can't remember what outlet was asking him this, but um, he was doing an interview, and they asked him, what does he love about black women? And I knew what his first, because it's always the first response, their strength. And I, it was so predictable, because that's what we always talk about. And while for the longest, I feel like that has been the thing to be admired, but I also think it's the thing that like it, what's the word I want to use? It burdens us the most as well because we are expected to be strong always. And in every way. I think way. that it's an illusion. Like, I don't think that that's true. I think that we are strong at times that we need to be strong. And I think that women are human. And I think that a lot of women have snapped. And I think that a lot of women have taken out the fact that they're raising their kids on their own and punish their kids for it. I think that it's not it's not realistic to say that this woman has been strong 100% of the time, not knowing that she's probably going without food, without going without shelter or any of those things. Like, there's weak moments in there. Oh, absolutely. For sure. We know but that that's nobody the reality talks about of it, that and the effects of what that means to our kids because those are perpetual cycles that keep happening. Exactly. And that's what I was going to say is that that we know that the reality of that is different whereas we don't we we are not often presented with a space to show that reality though that's just like and we've talked about this on the show that's just like the superwoman syndrome you know what i mean we we are constantly feeling like we have to be strong or we have to show that we're being strong or we cannot show our weak moments um because that's what everyone is expecting of us is to continue to hold that um, family unit together when there is an absent father. But like you said, nobody is uh, speaking to the present mother. And when we do, we speak of it in such a way that there offers no opportunity to um, show our faults and our flaws, our flaws and, and our weak moments. And it's okay to have those weak moments. Like we have to stop speaking 
to these things in such a negative connotation when really it's just reality. It happens to it's everybody. Just, it's human. It's human, yeah. It's absolutely human, which is one of the things that I'm so um, protective over too, especially when I just talk to black males and black females, especially when they talk about emotion. Um, for me, I have friends who are just like, you know, I just, you can't get angry. Like, who told you you can't get angry? Right. Or like, or dudes be like, I don't get jealous. Like, everybody gets jealous. These are human emotions. These aren't designated for man or, man or woman, male or female. These are designated for humans. And everybody falls within a spectrum as though they feel these emotions or their secondary emotions to a, a, an actual issue of what's actually taking place. But you feel all of them. You do. You probably can't name them, but you feel all of them. You either can't name them or you're in denial about them and you don't want to call them for what it is. Um, and the- Yeah, but when you so used to calling frustration um, anger, which is a, can be a byproduct of anger, but that's not, what that, that's not what you're feeling right now. But we spend so much time suppressing those things. And that's, and that's the... Ooh, geez, you about to have me go into a whole different tangent. <laughs> Sorry. And, I mean, and that's part, of the, that's part of the black tax as well from any any aspect of life is it's a it's suppression like we spend so much time suppressing our human nature that i feel like it's really hard for any of us to really be free like we can't be naturally who we are when we have to spend so much time suppressing that we don't get to live in the fullness of ourselves <laughs> But let me tell you, I was talking to one of my coworkers today about she wants to start a podcast. Mm-hmm. And she was telling me about all these different restrictions. Like, um, well, I want to get all my thoughts together because I have a lot of things I want to talk about. And I was like, well, you need episodes so you'll find different things to talk about. And I had to have these in order and I had to do this. And I don't know if I'll be able to commit to this. And I, don't, and I was just like, it's so funny that when you actually get real freedom, you don't know what to do with it. You put yourself in these cages. Right. How how dare you put yourself in the confines of oppression when you can do whatever it is that you want to do with whatever your own you shit. Want. But yeah, we we are so used to working within the confines of other people and their dreams and what's acceptable for them. And we we never really truly have the freedom to express ourselves in the way that we want to, to be present in the way that we want to, to um, just to do so many things mm-hmm. that we, we've only dreamt of and not even just dreamt of, but Live. can't dream of because we don't even have the vision to do so. Because mm-hmm. we're not free to do so. Like that's it. We don't. <laughs> that's that's what our tax does. We don't. We don't have the freedom or the capacity. Um, and I will say that that's not that's not always the constant. Um, because I'll be honest, there was a point in my life where I definitely felt more free than I do now. Um. But Ohio it's, University. <laughs> um, and I actually wouldn't even necessarily say just that. Um, it's the freest four years of my life. <laughs> but I also recognize that even in my even in my profession, not necessarily the HR field, but or my industry, so to speak, working in nonprofit, I have freedoms as as a black woman that I know that I would not have in corporate America. I know that I would not have. Um, But I also have some restrictions because of my profession. That limits me sometimes, or I feel like limits me. I shouldn't say that. 
Um, but I just lost my train of thought, so I'm going to move on. Um, and let me let me just say this. I'm not bringing up what black women have done to um, discredit them in any way uh-uh. or take away from the strength that they have. Uh-uh. But what I'm here to do is talk about the truth. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are other people on the end of that story who deserve for that truth to be told. And that's a part of their story. And their their stories are just as valuable as the people that they come from. Um, and I think it's time that those people have a, an opportunity to talk about that. Absolutely. And I would actually say the same goes for black men. So going back to your example of the absent father, that the present father's like you see people react in shock when they say, "Oh, you're involved in your kid's life?" Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> like involved. I just don't get it, man. But that—that's the reality of it. I know you have heard people have those questions. It, you know what? Well, I speak for myself, but I've seen it. I've witnessed it, um, and just in the conversations that people talk about it and maybe that's just you know my industry as well where it's just like you know this is a really good situation you know he has both parents in the home and so we speak of that as if it should be (laughs) abnormal where it's just like that's a real thing for people they black people still do have two parent homes not all and if not and if not just like white people they still have present both pre- exactly both parents present even if they're not living under the same roof exactly and so i feel like a lot of times you know black men who are present which is more often than you would than we're led to believe you know they're highlighted in such a way which is like oh they are actually involved and it's just like like y'all are, y'all are not helping the perception here Y'all are not helping the perception here. I'm not saying that there's not a reality of there being absent fathers. Um, but to your point, like, there's still, there still can be representation and children can still do well. It, it may take a little bit more struggle. It may take a few more barriers, um, emotional barriers to get through. But it's still possible. Very, very much so. And not, and not even just... People have been doing it for centuries. Centuries. Jesus had a stepdaddy. <laughs> like... So, I don't want to talk to y'all about this when Jesus had a stepdaddy. Okay? Right. So, I think that was a really good point to bring up, Keanu. I appreciate that perspective in terms of the black tax as it relates to um, the black family and the black unit. Yeah, and there's a lot more where that came from, but we don't have time to go there today. Nope. We don't. So... <laughs> We're going to move on. Thank you for letting us uh, extend that into a part two. Or thank you for letting me extend that. (laughs) Um, Kiana's going to give us the next topic. Oh. I don't know if y'all heard that. I kind of did that on purpose. (laughs) I ain't shit. Oh, you sure are. Um... I guess so the next topic is going to be really open. But um I of course because I'm such an advocate for 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 education, um I just want to talk about like does the black school system need to exist? 
Um, and I think that this was something that not only have I always been interested in it or have I always believed that, well, I'm just going to put it out there that I believe that a black school system should exist. But I think one of the things that further um, made me pause and was like, you know what, let me put some more thought behind this was actually the, I got I guess I can call it like a docu-series of Killer Mike. Mm, mm-hmm. I figured that's what um, you're saying. What is the name of it? Uh, shoot, I forgot it, but I will look it up now. Okay, so yeah, Killer Mike did a show on Netflix, Trigger Warnings, that's yeah. what it's called, Trigger Warnings by um, Killer Mike. And one of the episodes, he actually um, discussed education and pretty much just raised the question, are we failing our black kids? He had a conversation too, also when he did an interview on The Breakfast Club shortly Mm -hmm. after Trigger Warnings was released and where he talked to DJ Envy, who he often referred to as having beige rage, which I thought was (laughs) hilarious. Um, But talked to DJ Envy about the choices in terms of like where he sent his kids to school and why is why why did he decide to do that and some of the things that he thought they could be afforded based on the school system that they belong to and so i mean for me i do think that a black um school system does need to exist uh for many different reasons but i'm sure we'll go into that but courtney what do do you think about that do you think that we should go all go to school together or you think that um it's cool for us to have our own stuff Oh, oh, not stuff, just a school. So when you say we should all go to school together, you mean everybody? I thought you were referring. Yeah, to like okay. how it is, kind of now. Got you. Um, <clears throat> I will say that, and this is coming from someone who went to a PWI for high school and college. Um, I will say that I think there is something. There's something fortunate and very necessary about black students or about black children being able to go to school, go to an all-black school. Um, so I think, like, on the... Because it's been a while since I watched uh, The Breakfast Club and that, that episode and conversation that you were talking about. Um, but there is, there's a sense of pride that you're not going to get anyplace else. Like I said, I went to a PWI. Now, granted, I had a, a very um, in-tuned family. So I got my relationship and my black pride from from that, from my family and outside of the school because I wasn't going to get it in the school system. And so for that reason, yes, I could absolutely see and support um, us having our own school systems. There's just a sense of pride that you won't get anyplace else because when you truly have an opportunity to know and embrace and critically think about your history, um, I think I, I just think it sets you on a better path, or maybe not maybe not a better but a different path, um, and one of more understanding of who you are, where you came from. Um, the stuff that you are not going to find in the history books. <laughs> that you just won't be able to connect with. Like, I can't tell you outside of, and I know we hear this all all the time, but I can't tell you outside of Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, maybe Frederick Douglass, 
and a touch of Malcolm X, <laughs> barely Malcolm X, because you know how they feel about him. Listen, they literally, I think they just painted the picture of him as MLK's nemesis. Right. As opposed to them actually, you know, coming together at the end of his life. And and essentially fighting the same cause, just in a different way. <laughs> like that's all that was. That's all that one was. was just more acceptable. One was more. E- one was easier to digest than the other. Yeah, but one was easier for them to digest, not us. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and that and that's and there lies the issue. It was never about our preference, right? It was never, <laughs> never about our preference. Um. So yeah, for that reason. I could see the benefit in just us having our own school system. On top of the fact that I, I feel a way about the education system anyway, um, we do not produce. I was actually just having a conversation with a coworker about this. Like, we don't produce critical thinkers. Um, we teach to the test, um, you know, all the standardized test, tests and all of that. Like, and this is, this is no disrespect to educators, especially um, my educators of color, um, and who are out there really making a difference. But we know that there are standards that they just have to uphold sometimes, depending on what school system and what school district you're in. Um, <laughs> so that aside, like, because at this point, you can really get your education from anywhere, as long as you have some quality teaching going on. Girl, they're teaching coding through an app now. See, Lord have mercy. But I don't want to speak too much to that because... You know, that's not my area. Um, I have witnessed it to some degrees in terms of like the after school program that I used to um, used to manage in our relationship with the school district from that aspect. But when we talk about simply education, I feel like you could get that from anywhere. And especially in comparison to what students are getting now, I was excited to find out that um, they're incorporating a cursive back into <laughs> Back into lesson plans. No, I think I think it's really stupid that they decided to take cursive out of school. And for I just think that um we're a society that doesn't learn from our mistakes like history. Cause history mm-hmm. just always repeats itself. It always does. And that was the one thing that they could have, and I'm glad that they are actually mitigating it. But as Americans, why would you take out cursive in the schools? How will these these students won't even know how to read our own damn constitution. It's in cursive. <laughs> right. And then on top of that, so let's say we continue to teach in all print. Like, I just know print, which is stupid to say. I just know print. And um, next thing you know, cursive is going to be like hieroglyphics. We don't know so, what they meant back then. Like, there's a reason why you have to keep, once you make a decision, you have to keep these things customary so that we're able to go back and retrieve our history from our families, from politics, from a lot of different things. But you are going to take out cursive, the founding font of our country? Just so makes, makes no you. sense. Makes no sense. Uh, my friend's husband, who is an assistant principal at one of the schools here in Columbus, he told me that why they were reinstating it, because students were printing their name and then just drawing lines to, to, uh, to connect the letters. And when I tell you, I about 
lost it. Child. Because for me, that also goes back to That's how Donald again, Trump got elected. That's probably how he signs his name. Actually, let me not talk because my, my signature is not the greatest. But if I needed to, I could write my name a cursor. <laughs> But when I tell you for me, when I first found that out, because this was a few years ago, this was when I was still doing direct service. Um, and my students told me that they weren't teaching that. I was like, this is going back to slavery days. Like when you just mark your mark an X for your name. I was like, and, and, and the students, the other part that baffled me is that they had no reaction to that. They didn't know. They you had, don't know what you don't they know. Had, Exactly. They had no knowledge of that and had no reaction to them not teaching them cursive. And that was the first thing that came to my mind. But again, well, you don't know your history. No, you don't. They cut you off from it. Then what? Cursive. And cursive, the basics. Like, and yet we don't, and we also don't have no uh, life skills class. So these babies don't know how to write in cursive, don't know how to write a check, and then won't know how to sign the check because they don't know how to sign their name so, in cursive. And I also think they need to bring back like home ec classes too. And Absolutely. I'm not saying like, oh, it's because to groom women to be housewife, whatever. I understand no. why they did it before, but I think it should be unisex. But I think that we should learn basic principles of cooking, nutrition, balancing the Sewing. checkbook. Exactly. We need to know those things. Don't let... Men, you need listen. to... Help. When you lose a button, you need to know how to sew on your own button. Let me tell y'all this. Button. Don't get caught in the Instagram or Facebook shutdown again. Y'all almost lost y'all right. lives. You know what I'm saying? Y'all so, wouldn't know what to do. What's going to happen? You have to figure out how to survive. You have to survive. Um, Especially because those are those... Um, also, those trade skills, like... When we were learning those things as a culture, like our people turned those things into businesses, bakeries. People were like my my both of my my paternal and my maternal grandmother, they they knew how to sew and make clothes. My mother made her own wedding dress. Like these are things that you can pass down to your to your families. Because at the end of the day, this this new society that we have, this is this is a very new concept for you to go out and work for other people. Everybody was entrepreneurs. You were a carpenter. Everybody. You were a seamstress. You you know what I'm saying? Like it's you it's had a, the mom and pop stores. Like exactly. So a lot of people, like even if you go back to biblical times, everybody was an entrepreneur. Are you selling fruit? Are you do you have a farm? You know how are you going mm-hmm. out and making men's. How you making ends meet for your family? So it wasn't even about having all of this excess stuff, but actually learning how to survive to provide for what you need to provide for. Not an excess, but to make sure that you and your family are comfortable. That's how we started. Right. And that's what uh, I almost called him Trader Mike. <laughs> Killer Mike got into as well, just tapping back into those trades. Yeah, you need them. How else are we going to survive? Like... But that also goes back to that immediate gratification, too, and, you know, just having that that access of somebody else doing it for you. Um, but I won't go back there. We already doubled back on a, on a topic already. So, but I think there was a question that you were going to ask earlier about um, the school system, or at least you asked me. And so what's your reaction to that? What are, what are, you, what are your thoughts on us having a, especially because you're in that space? Um, I just think it's a lot of missing pieces to a puzzle that we have. I think that we have HBCUs, but what do you do to funnel the 
the children into HBCUs? Is it just public schools? Like, that's not enough to call it our own school system because those things aren't regulated by us. Um, but like I said, but like you said, I agree that we do need to be taught our own history um, from people who look like us and people who have similar experiences to ours. I also mm-hmm. think that, you know, we should have a say in what we want to train our kids up to be. Um, I know that we follow, you know, math, reading, writing, social studies. But at that same time, if you are spending all this time, you know, dedicating studies towards that, you're going to miss out on a big piece of how the world is moving, which is turning into more so a technological world. And you're just learning history, math, reading and writing. Mm-hmm. And it has to be more than that. You know, our, our kids have to be equipped and they have to be better than their counterparts because we're already so far behind. And I yeah. think the only way to really do that is to have an education system and start them early. I'm talking about preschool to 12th grade. And, and before, the HBCUs. Yeah. Um, right. But I also think... It can't just happen in a vacuum and we can't expect it to. No, no, for sure the, it, it can't. But I just think it's, like you said, it's, it's empowering. There's lots of other communities who do it and they are better for it. And they're better off mm-hmm. in terms of their their educational outcomes and their earnings over a lifespan. You know, the Jewish community is really big on keeping their, their, their children mm-hmm. in school, in their own schools. And their, and their dollars and their businesses. Exactly. But I think mm-hmm. that these are, these are ways that we could get ahead. And I just don't think that we're, we're taking this avenue to really, to launch ourselves forward. And I think that that's, mm-hmm. that's where we could and start at a very, very tender age. Um, so yeah, and to me it's more so about it's more so about catching up than getting ahead because we're so, in some aspects we're still so far behind. We are, we're extremely far we're behind. Still so far behind. And I don't think there's anybody who understands us better than us. <laughs> there's anybody who can break our experiences down better than us. Who can teach us how to how to navigate in spaces that are unfamiliar um, to us better than us. I think that it's just something that we've lost sight of in terms of assimilation. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that we were meant to do that. No, I agree. I don't think we were meant to I do agree. that, but I think that it would build a lot of sense of community because we would live in similar places. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just, it would build, it would build a lot. It would build a lot of security for our community. Mm-hmm. I think it would be profound if we were to have our own school system. And I think also because we spent so so much time in different avenues trying to proclaim and advocate for um, us being equal as humans, that we thought this was the best route to go. You know what I mean? Desegregation was good. And I get that. I think it was the best choice. I think it was one of the better options that was painted for them. Yeah, during that time. I think that they made the best decision that they could with what they had, lacking the education Mm -hmm. and lacking the language and lacking the understanding of where you come from. They're just like, let me make do with what I got right here. Because we've been here for so long. Let I, I don't take that from our ancestors. I just think that we we are smarter than that now. Right. And not only that, it's time to evolve again because, like we said, they did what was necessary for that time. Um, but racism is systematic. And so we are still seeing some of those same barriers just in a different way. 
So the schools may not be uh, segregated anymore, but you better believe the public schools and the predominantly and depending on location, you know, geographic location and what that looks like. They're not getting the same resources. I was going to say whether whether we want to admit it or not, the schools are still segregated. Right, they're segregated, they're segregated based by on dollars. Soci- yeah, exactly by socioeconomics. <laughs> but it's it's still segregation. It's a way to leave people out and and to oppress them. Absolutely. Um. But yeah, schools are still segregated. Like I don't know why we think that they're not. Just because people, that's the thing. Like people will tell you something and it not be true. You gotta think for yourself. Mhm. And the proof is out there. It's evident. Look at where you went. Is, look at where you evident. look at where you went to school. Whoever's listening. Oh, <laughs> right. Think about <laughs> it. Just think about the people you grew up with. Did they look like you? Did the majority of them look like you? Did they not? If they didn't, were they accepting of you? Did they teach you your history? You know what I'm saying? Like you can literally go back and ask yourself these questions. And the truth, the truth is in in the writing. It's evident. You can't hide it. I. I remember, and, and then I'll let this go because I, I know where we're at, but I remember, Dag almost said something shady, but I'm going to let it go. I remember that this is the story that was told to me. So uh, my family moved out to Twinsburg when I was pretty young. I think I was in the first grade. Um, and my father took me to school on the first day because I transitioned like in the middle of the year. Um, and I remember him and I standing in the middle I mean, in the doorway, one, me looking around the room, and that was the first time I had ever seen so many white people in my life. When I was in Cleveland, I went to um, a Catholic school, and all the white people were the nuns, <laughs> so my teachers. Um, but all my students, and I mean, all my peers were black. Um, so that was the first thing that stood out to me, because I was like, what the heck is going on here? Mm-hmm. Um. But my dad's recollection of that was he remembered looking around that room and every student in there having a book of their own. <laughs> and we didn't have that in Cleveland. <laughs> and I was like, and that was 90-something? <laughs> yeah. 1990-something? And I was like, that blows my mind. And still to this day... We are facing those same types of barriers. It's 2019. But that's kind of like what DJ Envy was speaking to. Like, I put my kids in these schools so that they can have, you know, resources that can take them to the next level. And while I understand that the point that Killer Mike was making is like, but everybody won't get a fair, everybody won't get that opportunity for one. And two, the students will be just as successful as the, as the people in their homes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can mm-hmm. instill those things in them in their home. And then it it just it comes at a cost, you know what I'm saying? To to take your to take your child out of a school, and I'm not saying your dad made the wrong choice. He definitely made the best choice for him and his family during that moment. But it does come with a cost, and it comes with am I if I take my kid out of a community that they're comfortable in, I'm going to put them, and I hate to call them this, but I'm dropping them off to the wolves. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't know how they're going to be treated by their white peers. I don't know how they're going to be treated in uh, it's culture shock for them. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know how they're going to adjust to this. And that's not to say that you can't overcome that. I'm just letting you know that that's a piece of trauma that may stick with you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it also just I just think it deteriorates 
what we think about our community and, and the light that we see our community. And it's not our fault that our schools don't have the resources. But when we look back and we look back at these schools, we're not seeing, oh, the school doesn't have these books. We're, look, we're saying this, the students don't have the books. It's not their fault right. they don't have the books. Right. But that's right. what we think about when we're younger. We don't say the school is not supplying this. We just look at, we think about a classroom full of black people who don't got what they need. And so right. we want to disassociate from the people who don't have what they need. And welcome to the black tax and the education system. There we go. <laughs> full circle. Like, yeah, full circle. And that's the reality of it. Because that that even, um, that's another dynamic where that is presented. And we face that on a daily basis. So, Oh, I had black a tax is real. but I can tell you that. I can tell you that later. Okay. But yes. <laughs> Yes. All right. Well, yeah, that's it. That's all I got for the education system. Okay. I think these were really good topics and and, and necessary conversations, right? Like, um, again, especially in the space that you're, the education space that you're in. Um, So, yeah. Well, y'all, we are going to take a quick break uh, for our ad, and then we will be right back to wrap up the show. This episode is brought to you by Sound Ears Media. Sound Ears Media is a multimedia production company based out of Cleveland, Ohio. Sound Ears provides its listeners with weekly curated playlists containing wide-ranging musical selections from the newest release hits to some of the greatest nostalgic classics in music. And Kiana and I are super excited about this new partnership as Bitches Love Brunch will have its own weekly curated playlist so anyone looking for personal playlists to fit your unique vibe dm them on ig at sound ears or on twitter at sound ears underscore or you can shoot them an email at soundearsmedia at gmail.com and welcome back hey y'all i got some tips <laughs> i was like what do i have <laughs> i have right. tips Okay, well, why don't you go ahead and kick us off then? Well, actually, I lied. I don't have tips. I have tip. Um, I have okay. a tip. A tip. Mm-hmm. So my tip, I've given her a tip once before on the show, but that's for another reason. So this this is another reason why I'm shedding light on her. But I'm going okay. to give a 60% tip out to my mentor. Name is Erica Button. Um, she's married now. So I was like, I was going to call her by her maiden name. But Erica... Um, is a graduate of Clark Atlanta University. And what she's done is she actually started a professional women's clothing line. Um, They're beautiful Mm. pieces, beautiful dresses, beautiful staples that if you are a young professional or you just like to dress the part, okay? Um, I say go check out her website. They, the dresses are absolutely quality i think that's the best she on way instagram? she is on instagram um okay. i don't have her instagram page right now because i'm not currently on instagram but if you are interested and i think that you should be check out the website at liz lizmore.com that is spelled l-i-z-z-m-o-r let me make sure 
I'm gonna start that over. L I Z Z M O R E dot com. Lizmore.com. Okay. So go there, check out her dresses. They really do appeal to the everyday woman. She's very thoughtful in her designs, making sure that the fabrics, um, can absorb sweat, can absorb everyday things that women go through that we try to hide when we try to be fly, okay? Because it is hard to look that good in the mm-hmm. heat, all right? I don't know if y'all mm-hmm. know that, but the makeup and this, it, it happens to us. We can't stop it. We're humans too. But yeah, she's very thoughtful. The The style, the cuts is so provocative. She does such a good job. It's so classy. So check her out. I'm excited to check that out. Um, I always love a good... I love uh, good professional items of clothing. Oh, yeah. Um, You want to look good while you're at work. You at the majority of, like, I just feel like you spend the majority of your day in your work attire. And if you can look good doing so. Why not? Do so. Even better. All right, LizMore.com. I will be checking that out, like, soon as I give my tip. <laughs> I'll send you the link. I um so my tip this week goes to his name is uh Morgan Cooper. Hey Morgan. He is a cinematographer and a director. Um and I found him thanks to the Shade Room. So if you follow the Shade Room, um which I normally am not too much of a fan of and I I actually need to probably unfollow them. Really? But we can talk about that later. Yeah. I never followed yeah, them, we'll but I just want to know why. But go ahead. Yeah. And it's only been in the, I think I shared this on the show before, but like it's been within the last year or something like that that I started to. Um, but anyway, so they posted a clip. This uh, this guy did a remake of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh. And you know, you know, in this time of remakes, um, everybody wants to bring back, you know, black TV shows or just shows in general. Um, and I've heard this, like, be talked about before, like Fresh Prince in particular. And I was like, no, because people were talking about it from the idea of, like, like where they are now. No, we and don't I'm care. just like, well, we don't care. Like, who wants to know what dead. Hillary is doing? And, and Uncle Phil is dead. Like, who wants to know what Hillary is doing? Who wants to know what Ashley is doing? If you're not bringing back the real Aunt Viv, I don't want no parts. So, like, I just was never fond of it. But he remade it in such a way that uh, resonates with uh, current times, but also still clearly the same um, plot line of the original. Um, So maybe I'll share that on the page so that everybody can see that clip. But it looks pretty dope. They may have to do a, a little recasting for Aunt Viv, but <laughs> in my Shout. opinion. But um this this clip is dope. So I wanted to give him a 55% tip um just for putting that out there. And I know that he's been getting a lot of buzz and like a lot of questions about it now um ever since. And so just shout out to him because it really looks like quality work. He um he did something phenomenal with this, especially in the time where I feel like everybody is thinking that they can just throw a remake out there. I think, who said they want, I, think, I cannot remember what the show was, but it was something like, no, we don't, we don't need y'all to bring that back. Amen. Let, like some stuff, just let it go. Amen. Let it go. <laughs> Not everything needs to be brought back unless you can really be creative in how you do so. And I believe that that's what this, uh, this guy did. 
you can keep it. I just think you have to be mindful of what you bring back alive. Like, you just can't bring back, like, a corpse that's been dead for, like, 70 years. You still right. want it to be intact a little bit, you know? Right. So, just be more mindful of what y'all decide to reboot. Yeah. But I heard about that. I so. heard that it looks really good. I haven't seen it. Like I said, I haven't been on social media. But um, I heard about that. I heard that it looks super good. It does. I just, I love, like... The editing, the the angles, just looking at the and even even the acting and some of the most of the casting, like is spot on. Oh, that's cool. Um, and it gives it enough of a different vibe where it feels very current, um, but also still the true essence of of this show. So, what I haven't seen is Will's reaction to that. So I will be interested in seeing. You know that was coming. You know he everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So. All right. Well, that's my tip uh, for this week. Do you have any brunch spots for us? Because I don't have one. <laughs> I do. So when I was in L.A., I had a cute little um, brunch situation um, for my birthday. And I went to a place called Beauty and Essex in Los Angeles. Mm, um, Beauty and I've Essex is super cute, super fun vibe. Um, we started off brunch at the bar and at the bar I had um what is it called green with envy and it was like cucumber vodka it had some jalapeno juice in it it was amazing oh my gosh it was so different but it just ignited so many different taste buds that I just don't normally pair together it was exquisite so I had a few of those doesn't matter how many then um the brunch was actually absolutely amazing it was more so like a family style so you shared plates mm, mm-hmm. um and i had a f- the french toast which tastes like churros their shrimp and grits was off the hook um you speaking my language that was my two favorite go-to yeah so beauty and essex and then afterwards it's a big party upstairs nice la kick it such a vibe um so yeah beauty and essex will be my brunch suggestion our our brunch. Bitch's Little Brunch <laughs> suggests that you go to Beauty and Ethics. Get on the list early. <laughs> oh, noted. Yeah. Noted.